Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's that rebel music. 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 It's that rebel. It's that rebel. It's that rebel music. Welcome to another episode of Land Sharks After Dark. Uh, special bubble watch special as a. Uh, the Ole Miss men's basketball team hopes to make the NCAA tournament here in a couple of weeks. I'm joined by my co-host, John Stefanzik. Uh, happy to have you. What's up, John? How you doing? Good, Justin. We actually, we, as you know, we've had cold weather here in Boston, and I found out this week that we got over, we got over 40 degrees one day this week, and it was the first time in 43 days that it happened, which is yet another new record for the winter of 2015. So, and so many been... uplifting storylines uh, coming out of coming out of that. Boston story, John. Thank you every week for bringing us those. Um, glad it's getting a little warmer there for you. Uh, me and John are actually doing the podcast uh, over video for the first time, so hopefully you'll enjoy uh, improved user experience. Um, sorry, you can't join us on video. I know a lot of you would like to, but uh, we're just audio for now. So let's get into it. Um, a week of ups and downs for Ole Miss. Uh, starting with basketball, went on the road on Wednesday to Tuscaloosa and got a really good win, um, a win that, that Ole Miss really needed to have to keep their tournament hopes alive. Um, and then followed it up on Saturday uh, with a, a difficult loss at home on senior night um, to, a, to a hot shooting Vanderbilt team that really couldn't miss, John. I mean, they shot something like maybe 11 for 19 from three when it was all said and done. Uh, I mean, I know at one point they were they were hitting that ratio. So very impressive performance from them. Uh, and it basically has Ole Miss back on the bubble, fell out of the double bye in the SEC tournament we were hoping for. Uh, they'll face either Mizzou or South Carolina on Thursday night in the SEC tournament uh, with Georgia waiting after that. So what do you think, John, uh, after this week in basketball? As an Ole Miss fan, obviously we're used to being on the bubble. Uh, how's it feel to be back in that comfortable position? Feels like home, man. I mean, yeah, we like live. we never left. Exactly. It's Andy Kennedy and the bubble. It's just two things that will never uh, fail to disconnect from one another. But, yeah, I, I, I sat and watched uh, watched the entire Vanderbilt game. It was probably the first game, I'd say, over a month I've sat down and really had the time and time and real – motivation is not the right word, but really just sat down and was locked in paying attention to it. Because in my mind, it was essentially win the game, lock up your NCAA tournament bid. And unfortunately, it did Absolutely. not work out. Now, Vanderbilt, I think they started the conference play one and seven, if I remember the stat last night correctly. And mm-hmm. since then, they're now, they finished the year 500 in the league. So they've been hot lately. And watching them last night, they're a young team that's really developing and figuring it out. I mean, Kevin Stallings is, re- is really is a, is, a, is a very good coach, and he's done a great job Absolutely. with this group. But they were – I mean, they were ridiculous from the three-point line last night. It went 13 for 23, 56.5%. Ah. Some of that early was bad defense. Some of that was just Vanderbilt – a lot of that was just Vanderbilt making shots. I mean, that Riley LeChance kid, I mean, he looks like he's about 13 years old, but he could shoot the basketball. <laughs> right. So. Right. 
Yeah, and it's something we see a lot. Uh, and I think um, with my limited knowledge of basketball schematics, that's kind of a product of experienced teams playing against their defenses. You know, you make the extra passes, you switch over enough, um, and you can sometimes get open shots in the perimeter. And when you're knocking them down like that, it really hurts Ole Miss. Um, but, I mean, you know, it's not all bad news. Ole Miss didn't run themselves out of the tournament completely. Um, they just really need to win a game in Nashville. Uh, they cannot afford the RPI impact that losing to uh, Missouri or South Carolina would have, um, even in a neutral floor. I mean, I think you lose that game, you're, you're really looking at either the play-in game at best in the NCAA tournament or hosting a game for the NIT, you know, and, and that would obviously be a big disappointment after spending most of the season as a 8-9 seed, uh, at least most of the conference season after a, a kind of rocky non-conference. But, um, you know, John, here we are at the end of the regular season. Um, we can look back now on the way this team performed. Very interesting, kind of hard to predict. Although now that we look back, we can see the obvious trends, the poor performance at home, um, the surprising uh, performance on the road, perhaps. I don't know how you spin that or how you figure that out, although it's got to be good news that Ole Miss isn't going to play any more SEC games or non-conference after next year uh, games in the Tad Pad. Hopefully we can restart that whole home court advantage thing again in the uh, new pavilion at Ole Miss. But uh, Ole Miss ends the season, let's see, 20? 20 wins in that right? I think it's 20 and 11, yep. 20 and 11 and 11 and 7 in conference play. I think right. out of those 11 losses, I think eight of them were at home. I can look it up here real quick. But yeah, I got I got the schedule put up on pulled up on ESPN. So we'll take a little walk through memory lane while you're while you're here with us, uh, looking back on the season. We all remember losing early at Charleston Southern, um, but there were some non conference highlights. You no know, beat Creighton in Cincinnati in that tournament. Um, lost a tough game to TCU. Went on the road to beat Oregon. That Oregon uh, a couple win has really is big I think now. Absolutely, top thirty in RPI now. I mean, they've mm-hmm. they're that's in one the of the, one of Ole Miss's best resume wins. Is, really is definitely is. at Oregon at this point. So glad to have that one. Although they're probably playing a good bit better than they were when we played them. A um, couple more losses: West Kentucky and Dayton, uh, and then on the SEC play, obviously lost to Kentucky, lost twice to LSU and Georgia. And then lost once to Arkansas, once to Vanderbilt. So, I mean, really beat the teams you're supposed to beat. The only exception being Vanderbilt, and they're really a different team than they were uh, at the beginning of conference play, at least by all indications they are. Um, so it, you can't really bash Andy Kennedy for, for anything like maybe 2013 when you lose South Carolina, Mississippi State, just games that are complete head-scratchers. You don't get it at all. That's not the story of this season. This is a... Uh, a veteran team that took care of business, but maybe you could say that it performed a little. Certainly, uh, you would have hoped could have won some more games at home, but the season's not over yet. Um, what, what's your prediction for Nashville, John? I'm interested to hear. What do you think this team could do, or you know, or you think they're going to make the tournament? Give it a percentage. Oof. Well, looking at Jerry Palm, and I think Lenardi has us in the tournament, either a ten or an eleven right. line. Palm has us in a play-in game, and. The problem with being on the bubble this time of year is that you know the bubble's going to shrink one to three spots because some one of the one big one bid leagues is going to have an upset to where a team that would is, would already in essentially has an at large earned will get mm-hmm. upset have a team that shouldn't be well not that they shouldn't be in the tournament but they'll steal a spot essentially so this is really dangerous league right. for Ole Miss they they have to win Thursday against South Carolina Missouri there's no questions about that and if they're 
I don't know if that locks them into tournament. I think that puts them where they probably get in. Um, they're either looking at one of the last uh, spots in the in, in the real field or being in Dayton. Um, if they played Georgia on Friday night and could beat Georgia, especially given that they've lost to them twice, I think that would uh, certainly th- that would put them in the tournament for sure. And you could say, say to yeah. yourself, "We're good to go." And it's it's interesting looking at the season recap from a conference play perspective because we had the the three of the four losses down the stretch home against Arkansas home against Georgia at LSU. Those are all teams that are as good or arguably a little bit better than Ole Miss. And if they had just found a way to win one of those games, they would be, they'd be fine right now because what they had done a good job of, of up until last night was really beat the teams they're supposed to beat when no, don't have a shocking law or a bad loss to a team with an RPI below them. So and Vanderbilt was the first team to do that, but you're going to have right. a game where some team with a hundred RPI around 100, 120 is going to have a, a hot night like Vandy did and beat you. It's just a matter of fact, and the, it's, it's really Ole Miss's fault for not building a cushion between the Georgia, LSU, and Arkansas games here the past couple weeks. But they had—they're not. I mean, they—they they, they control their own destiny. If they win Thursday night and they beat Georgia Friday night, I mean, they—they're in the tournament at that point. But they could have been in the tournament already, more or less, and they essentially. Have a uh, uh, not well. They missed that opportunity, but they're still they're still not done. But it will be interesting to see what happens. I could see Nashville going one of two ways. Either this team is feels sorry for itself, uh, losing three out of the last four, uh, not being able to deliver on senior night. It could really just have one of those and just have one of those classic Andy Kennedy letdowns. I mean, just. A, Long story mm-hmm, sure. short, and they lose a game. I mean, this is a this is a classic AK situation. Need one one maybe two more wins to lock up your bid, and can't quite pull it out, and then end up on the wrong side of the bubble. So, I don't know. It it'll be hard to see. It'll be interesting to see what AK has to say in press conference this week, and what the vibe of the team is for sure. I thought Jarvis last night played with a lot more aggression, and really, he looked like Jarvis Summers a lot. But then, at the, mm-hmm. about eight, I would agree. With about eight to ten minutes left in the game, it, it was clear they need, they were desperate to make a run, and then you saw Moody be real aggressive. It was kind of a balance of well, Jar, it's Jarvis is the senior, but Moody's been our offensive spark. Who's really the alpha here? And that was it's, it almost looked like a team to me that after thirty games still hasn't quite figured out exactly what the real role is between Jarvis and Moody as far as how they what the dynamic is. And, that, and part of that's because Jarvis has struggled so much that Moody's asserted himself. But then when you see Jarvis play the way he's capable of, which when he made those two threes in the first five minutes of the second half, I'm thinking, wow, Jarvis is going to, you know, he's right. going to, this is his senior night. He's, he looks like Jarvis. He's going to carry him into the tournament, but it just wasn't meant to be because Vanderbilt couldn't miss a shot, which was, it was interesting. You talked about the zone schematic earlier too. I think, AK made the adjustment to man defense, and then Stallings, who's this is where this is where Stallings shows his merit as a coach, substitutes in. I think he put Baldwin the fourth back in the game, and then ran pick and roll mm-hmm. up top, which is a play designed to beat the man defense. And basically, Stallings is like, okay, you're going to counter with the with the man. I'm going to counter with different personnel, different play, and basically they were one step ahead the whole night. Right. It was it was a, it was a battle of some some good coaching for sure last night. Um, Stalin's definitely won that round. Uh, you know, I think it's important to say as we finish up the regular season here, uh, looking back on Jarvis Summer's career, um, he's a great player. Uh, looking at the stats from this season, his stats aren't bad. You know, the only reason that we talk about what happened to Jarvis Summers, where is Jarvis Summers, is because he was so great 
you know, the last three years of his career. And it's not that he's he's worse this year than he was a freshman, but I think when his sophomore and junior campaigns, as far as they were concerned, he was just electric. Last year uh, with Marshall Henderson kind of taking some of the attention away, uh, Jarvis had a, an incredible season. And uh, for some reason, it didn't work out the same way this year with Stephon Moody. But Jarvis still finishes up averaging uh, 11.9 points per game uh, in 28 minutes. Uh, for comparison, Moody leads the team with 16.6 in 28.4 minutes. So um, a, a bright spot for Jarvis is definitely 4.5 assists per game, which is is great. Um, uh, and that's still only 1.9 turnovers per game. So, you know, he's still a great player. Uh, we wish he could have maybe played like he did last year, maybe even better this year in his senior season. But um, you still have to tip your hat to what he did for the program. So uh, it was good to see that on senior night. He played pretty well. Um, Aaron Jones got the start. I kind of like the all-senior lineup, John. Did you? I mean, what did you think about that? You had MJ Rhett, Aaron Jones, Snoop White, Jarvis Summers, and uh, Terrence Smith out there. And I thought that was pretty good. They looked pretty good. But um, obviously that was a little gimmicky. Yeah, it was interesting. The first three minutes of the game, they, they came out with energy and really were the more aggressive team. And then Andy went to a substitution pattern, put Moody in the game. And I'm not – obviously Moody's, you know, arguably your best player, but he – I mean, it it, flew, it right. threw the rhythm off. I think I think Vandy was a little caught off guard having the five seniors out there because it's a different lineup than they anticipated. But once they once mm-hmm. once Ole Miss went back to its normal rotation, Vanderbilt was had its game plan and executed it from that standpoint. So, right. interesting. Rhett played terrific last night, and that's really he's a great player. When, yeah, he, he had a ton of points. Yeah, when this team's been off, it's been a matter of them not having a second score and Rhett was that guy last night Snoop White hit a couple shots it's just that's when this team's Achilles heel heel is when it's moody and then nobody else essentially and when you would it's kind of it's a little bit surprising between Jarvis and Rhett and uh, Ladarius White or any or even Anthony Perez who had a run there for a couple games but really has fallen off the past six or so he's been kind of back into the uh oblivious state that Anthony DePrez has lived most of his career in at Ole Miss, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It'll, it, they, they've, they've got – win two games in a row, you're in the tournament, period, no questions asked. Win one game, you are flipping a coin. So we'll see what happens. Right, so that's something to watch for. Uh, before we move on from basketball, I don't want us to overlook the completely random reemergence of Aaron Jones in Tuscaloosa. Uh, I think he hadn't scored a point since January 19th against Arkansas, and he had 10 points, I think, and six or seven rebounds. I can't even remember, just out of nowhere. That's a great stat line, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, that's something, I guess, to watch for. Uh, Obviously, Aaron's a senior, um, maybe has a few meaningful games left to play, but uh, just kind of out of nowhere. One of those storylines in Ole Miss basketball that you don't really know what's going to happen. It was pretty funny looking at his stats from the last 10 games, like, I think several zero and zeros and even more did not plays and then just comes back with that. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, Ole Miss playing for its tournament life back on the bubble. Uh, we'll be watching Thursday night in Nashville. Uh, I'm sure you will be too. Yep. We'll move on now to uh, the other Ole Miss sport currently playing games, and that would be baseball, wherein Ole Miss had uh, a rocky week to say the least. Um, lost a midweek game to Southern Miss, which is, I mean, you know, that's pretty expected at this point. I think Ole Miss has lost eight of the last nine games against Southern Miss. Uh, if you ask me, Mike Bianco is trying to send a message every time he plays Southern Miss to the fans. This does not matter. 
I don't care about midweek games. I'm not going to care about them. But uh, every time it's annoying. But I don't know. I was reminiscing. I was thinking about this on Twitter. Uh, I don't really know any Southern Miss fans. I-, I feel like I have some relatives maybe like in McGee that, that like Southern Miss. I, I don't know. Like it's-, it's not like losing to State where I'm going to hear about it and I- I'm going to have to see message board posts about it. Does Southern Miss even have a message board, John? I have no idea. But whatever. Ole Miss lost 5-1 in Hattiesburg. I don't know if you got to watch that, John, but obviously not a big surprise. I did not see it. Um, you you were texting me about it. I had a couple other people texting me about it. Apparently, we looked awful. The box score looked awful. But it's first of all, going to Hattiesburg in general, I wouldn't really care anyway. I can't really get mad at the team. Uh, sure. It's just one of those deals. It's, it's interesting. S- Southern Miss fans. I know a couple, and when, when well, a couple, when they when when was it that Fedora's last year? They beat Houston, kept Houston out of a BCS bowl. Went like twelve and two that year. And they Classic. were, and I think oh, it was 20, what year was that? 2012, maybe? Ole Miss was awful. Mm-hmm. Um, or might even have been 2011. Let's see. Someone was getting out, see, someone was getting, getting out of Houston. So he's been at A&M, what, three years now? So, okay, mm-hmm. it was 2011. Perfect. Yeah, Ole Miss was 2-10 and 10 that year. And State had just won the Egg Bowl to go 5. Like, like they were, and Southern fans, for whatever reason, hate Ole Miss way more than they hate State. I've noticed that. So sure. they were having a field day with that. And then ever since that, the whole Ellis Johnson 0-12 debacle, and then I think I think Todd Mockins, the coach now, the former Oklahoma State coordinator, they've it's really a football thing. If they're good at football, Ole Miss is bad. They they have at it unless you know, but they've been pretty quiet lately. And they've I guess occasionally you get the basketball thing happens, but I don't know. The, the Southern thing's really not that big a deal. I mean, like you said, Mike's really trying to get people work in the bullpen, try and he's got so many new young and young pieces that he doesn't he didn't know exactly what he has. I mean, we, we saw Will Golson enter the lineup more this weekend, and he on Saturday looked great. Mm-hmm. And then against right. the left-handed starters, and it looks like Mike's approach to the two, latest approach to the two holes put Golson in against a left left-handed pitching, and then used Perdzak against righties, which worked well Saturday. And then I mean, really, they they, they looked like they took they took a you know a noticeable step forward Saturday from a confidence perspective from a better quality at bat perspective right Having- Let's, uh, i'll go ahead i'll go ahead and say that i sorry i didn't mention it um old miss hosted sets in on the weekend uh double header on saturday won both games uh turned around today on sunday and uh did not win the game but we'll get to that in a second you, you go on john talk about they were definitely gaining some confidence for the bats uh then what happened today yeah, for, my bad for screwing up the order. Oh, no, you're fine. But so, yeah, basically what happened in Hattiesburg is Ole Miss showed up in person, but not mentally, because who really wants to think about being in Hattiesburg? So we'll sure. let them have that. And then they moved the Friday game to a doubleheader Saturday because of the cold weather, which is, I mean, part of me wonders if this team ever hadn't really gotten in sync yet, just because it's so cold. It doesn't even. I mean, they've played. I mean, multiple seventy games now. It's like it's, it's the. It feels like a really weird baseball season. And they're right. And part of it, and I haven't paid that much attention to Mike's like demeanor and quotes and attitude. But last year, I, I, I noticed real early that Mike was confident and really liked his team. This year, it seems a lot more like he's got. He's like, this is a young team. It's you know, he didn't want to say rebuilding, but he knows that's what it is. He's got a couple good starters with Bramlin, and he knows he's got Trent on Friday night, so he can pitch well. But although they've taken they've taken a hit with depth of Sean Johnson going down, and that's really 
that's really starting to rear its ugly, its ugly head. Was because I mean, I know I know we're bouncing around from game to game here a little bit, but I I, I mean, you can t- most of you people that listen to this can tell it now. I try, I tend to look at the baseball from a series and over the weekend perspective, just because if you if you look at it from too small of a sample size, you can draw too uh, too quick a conclusions. Just it's probably been applied by everybody. We should just note that. And uh, but like. Sunday, we go. I mentioned started pitching every week. Sam Smith was another. He 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 goes nine up, nine down through three innings. And mm-hmm. Justin and I are sitting here texting each other, and we go, "Can't wait to watch this come unraveled." And we were yeah. Every time we say it, every time Sam Smith starts after one time through the order, you say, "Here comes the self destruct," and it's not even a joke anymore. Like literally, literally, the 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 one as soon as the order turned over, uh, walked a guy, hit. Man on base, and then he gives up. What was it? I think he gave up a grand slam or something. Like it was just like or Sam. Are you kidding me? Double, I think is what it was. That's what it was. You're right. It was he scored. It was a three RBI double. It's like, well, it's every time, man. It's, I don't know what it is, but the fourth inning is where Sam Smith uh, goes to just completely throw games. You better go and, get in the bomb shelter because you know there's shrapnel oh, coming. And he, oh, and it's, it's just like my, I saw like a post game quote from Mike. He basically said, "Yeah, he had this. He he walked this guy and this one, and you know, then the next guy he was set up at the corner, threw it over the plate, and then never got his command back." It's like Mike knows that it's such a sensitive area. Like Sam, like it's just it could be one batter or one pitch. It, it, it's clearly a mental block, like getting through the order the second time. I think we've seen this now for basically a year, and without right. Sean Johnson there, I don't. I mean. Wagaspec's thrown really well this year, but you also need bullpen depth because you can't just depend on Weathersby and Short. And why in the world Scott Weathersby pitched in a sixteen to four game? I don't know. Given right, the fact so that's that, what happened. That's yeah, that's get, what happened to that game. It, yeah. uh, Short. I mean, sorry, Sam Smith gave up a few runs, and then what? Drake Robinson came in, and end of the day, we're looking at sixteen to four on the on the stat sheet here. So I agree with you, John. What is Weathersby doing coming into that game? We got Louisville coming up this week. I don't know what Mike's thinking there. Yeah, if you only had, say, if you had a Pine Bluff midweek game, I can see getting Scott some work. But you got two games at Louisville, which those are, you need to split that. Because if you, mm-hmm. if you get, well, if you get swept there, you're 500 going into Baton Rouge. And the odds of you winning that series are really small just because this, I don't know. I mean, th- this team, this team can, I mean, baseball's funny. Because it's, you're never as bad as it seems. It's never as bad as it seems. It's never as good as it seems. Like they'll probably end up being around like 14 and 16, 15 and 15 in conference play, versus last mm-hmm. year's team at what 19 and 11. But you could, but the, but the, right. the, the amount. I guess it's. I don't know. It's interesting how the records all come close together. Yet you can see the difference in the teams. But I mean, this team like Saturday, they look like they're taking steps uh, offensively, and then it just. It just really was Sunday. It was just a bad game. It looked like youth, lack of concentration. Uh, we mentioned the starting pitching woes, but it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Kyle Watson had a good weekend from the leadoff spot, and it's but they're going to ride the up and down inconsistencies of having a young guy in that position. It's the same with Golson. I mean, there's that's what two freshmen batting first and second in the order. I mean, that's right. I mean, it looked good on Saturday, but it's something you got to worry about because I mean, you're, you're going to see the freshman slump, right? I mean, you see that with every freshman hitter. Uh, what happens when your your two leadoff guys just hit SEC pitching and hit the wall? That's something you got to worry about. Yeah, we've seen that a, n- a number of times over the past few years with and, Ole and Miss. Kobe that, Bortles. Where is Kobe Bortles? That's the question right now. Uh, Ole Miss is really missing his power bat that uh, it's been expecting 
Um, he just hasn't really seen it yet this year. I mean, I think he has three home runs, but they haven't really come in the big positions. Um, I, I don't know. Ole Miss really needs Cody Bortles to heat up if it's going to be driving in more runs than, say, four a game. Yeah, he, he looks so tense at the plate right now. He just needs to Absolutely. relax. I mean, it is just a matter of – I mean, he's got all of the physical tools. It's just a take – it's mainly just like a – take a chill pill, essentially, is what needs to happen. Now, you could argue the whole team is that way from an offensive standpoint. You have the youth at the top of the order. And Woodman Woodman can hit. You can put Woodman anywhere in the lineup. But it's it's important for them to settle with where they put Woodman so he can get used to the specifics of get, of being pitched to in that spot because the way you get pitched right. to is a leadoff guy is different than the way you get pitched to is a three-hole hitter. Where, I like I like Woodman in the three hole. I think that that's that's where he needs to stay. Agree. Uh, that's where your best hitter needs to be. Right. Exactly. So hopefully we can keep figuring out that that one two hole. Um, Kyle Watson showing a lot of promise. I think he's batting over four hundred on the young season. So you gotta hope he's gonna keep seeing it uh, and just battles through. You know whatever eventual averaging out happens. Um, as we mentioned, Ole Miss goes on the road this week in the midweek to play at Louisville, um, a good team. I, I believe they're still ranked. I know they lost a tough one earlier in the season, but obviously going to be a really tough game. Uh, followed up by one of the best teams in the SEC when we traveled to Baton Rouge uh, this weekend. Uh, two of those games are going to be televised, so that's that's good news for Ole Miss fans. Uh, I think first televised baseball games of the season. But probably not going to be the best series for the Rebels if I had to pick. I mean, I'd say getting swept is more likely than winning two or three. Uh, that, might, that might sound fatalistic, but LSU was really good with I a lot of good pitching. I think they grab a game either Friday or Saturday. Because with, with Trent Bramlett, we haven't mentioned Bramlett. Bramlett struck out 12 and sure, six yeah. innings on, on uh, Saturday and looked just absolutely dominant. He really... He's been a real bright spot, bright spot this year. He looks like he's going to be the Friday night guy next year. So you, it's just funny. I mean, we see this pattern with Mike's teams. You know, above average pitching. They have, typically have a Friday night guy that go out there and take care of business, whether it be Bobby Wall or uh, Chris Ellis last year. This, I mean, this year it's Trent moving down to that role. Bramlett sort of has the has the stuff to be a Friday night guy. So they they have a one two punch, and then with Short Weathersby. Um, your other pieces in the bullpen. Mike keeps trying to make Will Stokes into a setup guy, and it's not working so far. And I'll say, right. I mean, watching Will Stokes, his, fast, his fastball straight as an arrow. SEC hitters are going to tee that up unless he can get, you know, command better with, with, a, with uh, more off-speed stuff. So mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting. Yeah, no, the pitching is there, no doubt about that. I, I, don't, I don't question the pitching. It's really just are you going to be able to outscore LSU in their home stadium? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I, I don't know. See, this, this is where we – it's funny. We, we can sit here and analyze Ole Miss all we want. We know that where their strengths and weaknesses are. But we really don't – it's hard to judge the rest of the league until you watch this series in person. And I don't know. LSU is mm-hmm. ranked highly because they're LSU and they deserve that. But are, are they really a, just a dynamite offensive team? Last year's LSU team was not a vintage, just powerhouse, rip the seam off the ball LSU offensive team. So it'll be – It'll be interesting to see kind of what they have, and we'll learn more about them going forward as this progresses. So it's it's still a work right. in progress. I mean, Ole Miss and in, in summary at this point has a lot of work to do, and really they they need to get, they need to mature quickly. They need to settle down. They they really need Sam Smith to give them more consistent outings on Sunday because that's going to be a real sore spot in the uh, 
in the lineup right now because, like I said, I mean, Wagaspec's thrown well, but you you don't want to move him to a starter role because you, you need his arm for Friday and Saturday in the pen. I would rather have him uh, go through the order once versus have to go through it twice or three times, which is kind of really – it's really kind of avoid the same issue you have with Sam right now. So it'll right. be interesting to see how this unfolds. And as you mentioned, I mean, if they could find a way to go two and three – well, if they could split Louisville and then get a game in Baton Rouge, I would consider that a successful week. But mm-hmm. it's going to be a tough order. Tall task. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Um, as we mentioned earlier, uh, a few episodes ago, Ole Miss's SEC schedule opens up uh, really tough. Um, probably going to be some averaging out uh, towards a, a better record in the second half of the schedule. But like you said, we'll see. Once all the teams start playing each other, some storylines will change. Undoubtedly, there'll be a good team that's not good and a bad team that actually is good. So we'll see how that goes. Um, uh, that, that about does it for baseball this week. Uh, we're going to move on now, I think, a little bit. Talk about spring football practice, um, which has been going on since Tuesday, I believe, John. Uh, uh, that's when the Drew press was. I have no idea what their practice schedule is. The most important thing I think is it's, he, I don't think anybody does. I think it's the coaches and the players. I think it's a top-secret quarterback battle. Speaking of quarterbacks <laughs> and Chad Kelly, the Hugh Freeze uh, Haiti trip for troubled teams is underway. I think they got 30 I think guys. Yeah, I think they're there, year. huh? They've touched down in Haiti. I saw a picture on Twitter. He took 30 people. Is that right, John? Yeah, he took a third of the team. Sorry, you were muted. What'd you say? Oh, sorry. Yeah, they took a third of the team right there. So, Man, that's a lot of character building going on. Um, you know, They're also doing important work. Uh, I think I read last year they widened a road for a village so that trucks could come in and out and they could sell mangoes. I mean, I'm not even joking. That's I think that's what they did last year. So that's did, pretty yeah. cool. Uh, good for Q Freeze and Ole Miss for doing that. Um, I don't think Chad Kelly can get in too much trouble in Haiti. Um, and if he can, I mean, more power well, to him. I, don't I think, think they, can cut, they can cut a deal with the law down there. It's pretty exactly. easy. It's just exactly. slip some Benjamins to somebody and it all goes away magically. So. <laughs> but no, no, all joking aside, uh, I'm sure they're, they're going to have a good trip. Um, obviously not all the football players were on that trip, though. They've been posting on Instagram all the crazy stuff they're doing, Miami, et cetera. Uh, they're off spring practice. Like you said, they couldn't really have spring practice as much as the team is in Haiti. But uh, we've been watching a couple storylines as we go forward. We're going to do a little defensive uh, review. Uh, a few things have already happened during spring practice. We learned during Hugh Freeze's press conference. Um, C.J. Johnson, the SEC, all-SEC uh, defensive end, is going to move back to his high school position, uh, play some linebacker, obviously a huge position to need. Uh, and then there's some switching going on in the defensive backfield where, correct me if I'm wrong, John, I think Trey Elston is moving to free. He's moving free. to free. He's moving to where okay. Cody was last year. And then Mike Hilton will be taking the strong safety spot, which I think is a really good move by Womack. Absolutely. Mike Hilton can play anywhere in the defensive backfield. is a huge asset for the defense. But what do you think about these moves, John? Obviously, my first reaction was, you know, wow, it's big. To, to move C.J. Johnson if it doesn't work out. The coaches end up looking bad, but like you told me, it's obviously just a, trying it out in spring, see how it looks. But if it did work, it would be huge. Obviously, Ole Miss needs the linebacker depth. Yes, I mean, it's really – I'm su- I'm kind of a little bit annoyed with myself. I didn't even remotely at least consider this possibility prior to being announced because when, when I heard about it, I went, whoa, that makes sense because right. you have depth across the board at defensive end. Even though you have – a Carlos Thompson graduating with his killer combine numbers. Did you, did you see Carlos Thompson's pro yeah. numbers? Yeah, Somebody, he was leading like everything, man. He's a freak. 
somebody's going to at least bring him in for the, for the practice squad to give him a shot just because of his athletic ability alone, which is interesting. I'm going to thank Houston Nutt for that player development. Uh, well, same with DT, right? I mean, DT was a beast at Pro Day. Yeah, I didn't see DT's numbers. I hope he gets a shot. I just don't know. I know he did. He did 33 uh, bench press. It would have been second of all linebackers at the combine if he was there. Oh, wow. Yeah. But, yeah, so that, that was a little Pro Day news, too. We obviously uh, go on to. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, defensive end, They, I mean, let's take CJ out of the picture. They have Haynes, Fadal, Channing War, who Channing really has slowly over time developed into more and more consistent player. He could be the guy that really has like a – like, I know it's a slightly different position, but like a, a Brian Bennett-type senior year that really is just a, a very solid, dependable player that makes a consist, has a consistent impact. You have John Youngblood there as well. And then the two redshirt freshmen, uh, Victor Evans and uh, Gerard McDowell. I mean, essentially, they have six defensive ends without C.J. And you have Haynes as your elite pass rusher. You have Fadal and Channing on the other side. So you're, you're good to go from at that position. And then, I mean, the, the, the hole in the right. defense is Mike Linebacker. I mean, without C.J. back there, you're looking at, you're looking at Christian Russell, who is perfectly capable at, from a physical standpoint, but he's, you, you want to have more than just one guy who you're sitting there saying, okay, we need you to be the Mike Linebacker and step up here for potentially one of the best, if not the – well, they were the number one scoring defense last year, and I think they're better on paper this year. So they should – they're going to be one of the best defenses in the country regardless. But – but putting putting CJ back there it gives you him and Russell and Tamario Strong now at Mike, which makes you feel a lot better than if it was just Tamario and Russell back there. Um, CJ, I was mm-hmm. thinking about this. CJ can try middle. He can stay at linebacker until basically game week of who's the opener? Middle Tennessee State or my game? It's uh, UT 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 Martin. UT Martin. That was that was a Tennessee school. I was close. So point yeah, is, is CJ can move back to defensive end and like. In, in two weeks um be up to speed yeah no doubt i mean he 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 needs to know what position he's playing september 20th when they go into tuscaloosa and they have until labor day to essentially figure that out so even if he looks not that great in spring i'd leave him there let him have the off season let him you know give him some time to think about it sink in sink in we know cj's understands the defense is smart just give him time to let it absorb and then the nuances of playing the, that position versus defensive end which he's a high school linebacker it, i think it could it, it may be an instantaneous at some point he play, maybe he plays it for two weeks and instantly comes back and he's there maybe it's a gradual build up over time but whatever the result is he need i mean i'm waiting until the last week of fall camp before i before I before, that would be the first moment I would say okay it's just not going to work at linebacker let's put him back at the end and also part of that depends on what you see from Russell and Strong and potentially other pieces in the defense could could DeMarcus Gates maybe end up being a Mike linebacker I think they prefer him with the stinger or the outside position but regardless I mean it, it's it's really a free shot because you know CJ can play and if it does work out you could have him and Haynes and Fadal on the field at the same time, which you couldn't do last year. And that makes the defense better from a standpoint. Right, absolutely. So I think – so C.J. to linebacker makes all the sense in the world. And then you had – the other position with a little bit of shuffling was the announcement that Mike Hilton's going to be safety full-time in the fall. They feel really good with their depth at corner. Um, Kendarius Webster by, really looks like towards the end of his freshman year was taking all those steps in the right direction. Probably the, the play everybody remembers is uh, – 
Deronia Wilson going over his head and catching that touchdown pass in the fourth quarter of the Egg Bowl, which if you watch that from a corner perspective, I mean, Webster did everything you're supposed to do. It's just a matter of – right. I mean, Deronia Wilson's a very good player. There's no yeah. He's a Deronia Wilson's a freak, man. He, I mean, six six former basketball player. That was an amazing catch, and that's why it made Sports Center top ten, and the old Miss plays didn't. But that doesn't mean that Kadarius Webster's not a great cornerback. I think you're totally right. Um, that's really the the best news to come out of spring, if you ask me. Uh, so far, is that Mike Hilton? They feel comfortable putting him back at safety because you gotta love having his experience back there. Um, and you got to love the fact they feel good at corner with T. Shepard, Tony Bridges, Ken Webster. Uh, you got some Kayla Moore in the mix. Um, I'm probably forgetting a couple of people, but it's a great sign to have that depth at cornerback. I'm really excited about cornerback, honestly. I, I think it's something we talked about during the season, uh, just kind of the mindset change as an Ole Miss fan uh, watching on defense. You know, when someone throws a pass, at least last season, it was a little bit exciting. You're like, oh, this is going to be fun. Like, what's going to happen? Is there going to be an interception? Are we going to hit them hard? You know, so... That's a great thing. Obviously, you are a huge Dave Womack fan. He is uh, the mastermind behind Ole Miss's defensive success. And uh, it looks like he's he's doing some good things this spring. Obviously, getting reps for younger guys. Um, there's going to be a lot more to follow for spring practice. Grove Bowl is on April 4th. Obviously, we're all interested to see uh, the quarterbacks compete. We're going to talk about those offensive things on a different episode um, but so this has been a little defensive talk. Obviously, if anything else comes out of spring practice, we'll, we'll hit on that too. Um, that's going to do it for, for us today, this week on, uh, you know, Ole Miss News. Obviously, you can listen to us every week uh, on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at uh, SharksAFTRDark. You can visit our website, LandSharksAfterDark.com. Uh, thanks for listening, guys, and uh, we'll catch up with you next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.